0: All about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. All about the Savior and the promise of His word. It's all about Jesus. Welcome to It's All About Jesus, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Eagle. You are listening to a Sunday morning message by Pastor Mike Sasso. If you would like to join us for church, we meet every Sunday. 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle, Idaho. You may also join us live streaming at that time. Go to cceagle.org at 10 a.m. to watch the whole service live. If you can't join us then, you can always go back and watch the video. Let's listen in to today's lesson. It's all about Jesus.
1: It's all about the Lord. we in Hebrews chapter 1. Savior. I hope you all got a chance to turn there by now. And, and I'm calling today's text, as actually it seemed like the author is calling it, Greater Than the Angels, because that is the topic we're looking at right now. And if you were with us, or maybe if you weren't with us, I should give a review. Um, the whole book of Hebrews is written to Jewish Christians who because of their embracing Christ and worshiping the Lord, they have forsaken a lot of the Jewish practices and the sacrifices and the whole legal system, and now they're following Jesus, and they're they're under persecution. And the persecution was so great that many of these good Jewish Christians were tempted to just go back to Judaism, just go back to what was comfortable. Nobody picked on me when I just went to the temple, did the sacrifices, and went through all the motions. But this following Jesus, it puts a target on my back. And all all my Jewish friends, they're all persecuting me. And so there was some great persecution, and they were tempted just to go back to the old ways. Maybe you've had that in your life, that you came out of a religion, or you came out of a church, and you followed the real Jesus, and, but you got some heat from your family members or those in your other church, and you you think, should I just go back? This is tough. It's tough following Jesus, isn't it? There's you got to make a choice. Do I want truth or I just want comfort? I'll go back to my comfort zone and go through the motions even though there's no life there. So... That's who the audience is. And so the author of Hebrews is writing this whole book, all thirteen chapters, is showing you reasons to stay with Jesus, to hold course, and don't don't forsake Christ and go back to your old ways, the old comfort. Now for this it was the Jewish religion, but it could be anything. You know, it could be whatever you're fighting to go back to. Could be your life of sin. The author makes a good argument of why you need to just hold course. And keep your eyes on Jesus and don't go back. So that's what we're looking at. And um, last week, we, we looked at seven incredible attributes of Christ that demonstrated his superiority over everyone and everything. Let me just quickly run through them. And I'm going to do a study. We did a study last week, but he was heir of all things in verse two. Matter of fact, it was seven attributes in two verses. Heir of all things, verse 2. Creator of all things, verse 2. The brightness of God's glory, verse 3. The express image of God the Father, verse 3. The sustainer of the universe, verse 3. Our perfect and final high priest, verse 3. And then finally, number seven is, he now sits in the seat of total authority. And that's the last part of verse 3. And so now the author is going to go on to demonstrate how and why Jesus is superior to the angels and you might think well why is that necessary after after the first four verses where we see he's greater than everything why do we need to look at why he's greater than the angels well the fact of the matter is um the jews at that time just like many people today really put a great deal of um value on angels some were even fascinated with angels. You know, today, you, you Google it, you go online, you'll find anything from the worship of angels to angel trinkets to movies about angels to TV series about angels. Angels are a big deal, right? Uh, and the thing is, angels also, they are a big deal in real life not just not just what everybody makes of them they're the second in command under god what, what is greater than an angel right so that's why the the writer of Hebrews is going to go into that father we pray that as we look into the text today that you speak and lord i know that maybe there's nobody in here who wonders if angels are better than jesus but i know there's something in this text for each one of us so help us lord to hear your voice to know what you're saying and to to be changed by your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so after everything that the author said about the superiority of Christ, now the next 10 verses or so, and then even into chapter 2, the author continues to talk about how Jesus is greater than the angels uh, because the Hebrew people had a very high view of angels. Uh, You know, like I said, they are... If you think of God, what's what's the next best thing? And many would feel angels, but certainly they're they're higher than humans, at least for now they are. And um, many view them as intercessors, intermediators between God and men. Or some even think mistakenly that the only way to God is through an angel. And there's a lot of misconceptions about angels, even to the point of some people worship angels. You'll talk about some of that in your small group. I've got some mischievous questions I put in there for you to explore. But angels are important. They really are important. They play an important role in God's plan. And just for fun, I I looked up the word angel in the Bible. Boy, with Bible software, you could do anything now, you know. Uh, The the word angel is found 294 times in the Bible and 180 times just in the New Testament. And let me run down really quick, rapid, some facts about angels that are biblical. Forget about the misconceptions. What does the Bible say about angels? Let me just go through it quickly. They're supernatural, spiritual beings. They can't procreate but they are created beings, that means there's a limited number. God made the angels, and there's a limited number. They, they render worship and special service to God. Uh, they're spectators and participants in God's mighty works on earth. They're more powerful than men, and they're superior to fallen man. They bring messages to men. They rejoice when sinners are saved. I'm not going to give you verses on each one of these. If you've been studying your Bible, you recognize it. They assist in answering prayer. They fight forces of evil, and they patrol the earth. They deliver men from danger, and they give guidance. They can provide encouragement or bring punishment. They watch over children. You know scriptures on that. They can be entertained unknowingly. They ministered to Christ while he was in the human form, and and they could move incredibly fast, and they could even fly. They're not bound by earth's gravity. And there's myriads upon myriads in number. There's an unlimited... We don't know how many angels there are. We do know also that they're divided into ranks, and they have names. We know of Michael and Gabriel. That you could know of a few others, but we don't know other names. I, I don't want to memorize them all. Uh, often... They are imitated by Satan as he has disguised himself as an angel of light. And they offer continual praise in heaven and they will do so forever and ever when we join them in in that day of glory when we get there. Now, with all that in mind, let's look at verse 4 where the author says, And having become so much better than the angels as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now I want to deal with a couple things that might trip some people up before I get in. Eventually I'm going to give you five ways Jesus is greater than the angels. But there's a couple uh, stumbling blocks in this text that you could get hung up on. And the first one is right here, having become greater than the angels. Uh, This in no way implies that Jesus has not always been the divine eternal Son of God. We already looked at that in verses 2 and 3, and if you missed it go back and look very carefully at verse 2 and 3. He's always been better and greater than the angels. But in context, verse 4 is actually saying that Jesus, the divine second person of the Godhead, he first humbled himself and became lower than the angels, he became a man and becoming a man he he took on the suffering of death as we'll look at in verse 9 of the next chapter and from there he went back to being better than the angels from man back to his place his proper place in heaven so remember he emptied himself to be lower than the angels and after this his suffering he went back to his proper place of exaltation better than the angels okay so don't think that means he he was not better than the angels all along and he worked his way to that that's not the fact so here's your first fill-in for those of you who love to take notes and for your growth groups in today's text the author lists five ways jesus christ is superior to the angels the first one is in verse four jesus christ is superior to the angels because he has a better name than they that's the word name now here's the thing name indicates character it indicates your authority uh, you know name above all names name uh, actually is like how famous is your name it's 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 a title a reputation and a position so what name or title does Jesus possess well look at the next verse here verse 5 for to which of the angels did he ever say you are my son today I've begotten you." And again, that's a bad place to stop. I will I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Which of the angels can say that, right? And so, name. Now, um, by the way, because the, writers, uh, the writer of Hebrews is trying to convince the Jewish Christians to stay the course and not to go back to Judaism, this... Book is filled with quotations from the Old Testament, and right here in verse five, he's quoted Psalm two and 2 Samuel uh, seven. And uh, by the way, if you if you go and look these up, some of these are going to be worded a little bit different. Now I'm just going to save you some trouble because the writer of Hebrews quoted from the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the of the Hebrew Bible, and that was the the uh, book that Jesus quoted from, that was the uh, version that all our New Testament church used. So there might be a little bit of variance in wording, but it was from the Septuagint, the the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. So Jesus is, again, his name sets him apart, but I also want to deal with another confusing thing that a lot of people get hung up on. In verse 5 it also says, He is the only begotten Son. We say that all the time. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Um, what does that mean? Because I mean, begotten, boy, there's so many places that people could get hung up in this text. And there's so many places that are so rich if you just take some time. But Jesus Christ is the the only one who came forth from From the Father, the only begotten of the same substance. I like the way the Nicene Creed put it, which was written 325 years after Christ. The church got together and says, We need to set down some of our beliefs in sound doctrine so that the world knows what we believe. And so let me quote to you a portion of the Nicene Creed written 325 AD. We believe in the one Lord Jesus Christ the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. And it goes on from there. But this, this was the early church's view, of course, from the scriptures. All right. So Jesus has a better name than the angels. Let me give you a couple more verses I can't resist on. Now I'm going to go faster on some of these uh, points, but this first one, a better name, uh, I keep thinking, oh, and I got to share this verse. So let me read a couple more verses. Isaiah 9 6. Have you ever heard that one? We usually wait till Christmas to read that one. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Who is this? Jesus. Talk about a better name. These are names given to the only begotten Son of God. But the one in our text says Son, but he's got so many titles and names above, way above the angels. Uh, another in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself, this goes along with what we're studying right now, and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now listen carefully to verse 9 on, in Philippians 2, 9. Therefore God highly exalted him and has given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You want to talk about the name of Jesus, his, his position of superiority, not just above the angels, but above all else. As a matter of fact, Peter in his message in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, he says, "For their salvation and no one else because there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus, folks. And so just don't ever forget that. So Jesus has a name greater than the angels. That's the first one. we got four more to go. So number two, Jesus is greater in worship. And that's found in verse 6. It says, but when he again he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Again, quoting from the Septuagint version of Deuteronomy 32 43 and uh, Psalm 97 7 so first I want to deal with another issue that people get hung up on. before we look at how Jesus is greater in worship there's another name or title in here that hangs people up sometime it's the name or the title firstborn have you ever heard people talk about this we'll deal with that firstborn is the Greek word prototokos it actually means preeminent or, or prominent one, and firstborn doesn't mean in this context a sequence in birth order, because some of the cults will tell you that Jesus was the first being that God created, and then God created everything through Jesus. That's, that's a typical cult uh, teaching, but firstborn doesn't mean first in, in uh, sequence. It actually here means first in rank or meaning the one who ranks above all others. And you could look it up if you want some more verses on that Psalm 89:27, Colossians 1:15, John 1:14. We could go on with this, but we've got to keep our study within our Sunday morning time, okay? Now, firstborn is someone who has authority over all the inheritance. If if in those days and in that culture, if a father's firstborn son was the one who would inherit all of his name, his title, his reputation, his business, his land. The firstborn gets it all. And so we've already looked at last week, Jesus is the heir of all things. And so he's the firstborn in that respect. Protokos. It's a position of favor and honor. It's a title, firstborn. It indicates somebody who is of the highest position and honor. Uh, Don't don't get confused with all the misconceptions conceptions and false explanations of Jesus being the firstborn as a matter of fact one more verse I want to show you on that and this is what I'm going to quote well God's covenant with David when God said to David that I'm going to give you a place of prominence listen to Psalm 89 27 God said this to King David I will also make him my firstborn the highest of the kings of the earth think about that David wasn't like the first one born he wasn't even the firstborn in his family. When God says, I will make him my firstborn, I'm going to give them that place of prominence. I'm going to make him, what's it say? The highest of the kings of the earth. So when God calls Jesus my firstborn, it's the preeminent one, the prominent one. Not, it's not talking about sequence, okay? Now, why do, I, why do I take so much time to do all these sidetracks? Because I used to, many years ago, uh, deal with cults. And I know what the cults teach, and I know the hang-ups people have of thinking, well, Jesus wasn't really God. He was the firstborn. And so I want to deal with that because I it's still with me. I've seen how people get messed up with all that stuff. Okay, Now let's talk about the worship part, uh, the, the worship matter in verse 6, where it says, when he, when again he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. I want you to know some important things about worship. you got to keep this in mind. God many times throughout the Old Testament says, I will share my worship with no one else. He says, I'm a jealous God, and you shall have no other gods before me. I'm the one true God. You shall not worship or serve any other God. Let me just give you a couple verses on that so you're not just left with my word for it. Exodus chapter 34 verse 14 says, You must worship no other gods, for the Lord God, whose very name is Jealous is a God who is jealous about his relationship with you. Well, God doesn't want you worshiping anything or anybody else but him. Why? Well, he's insecure. No, because you're his and he's yours and there's a special relationship and he's not going to share you with false gods, okay? Matter of fact... When Jesus was being tempted and the temptation of Christ and Satan was tempting Jesus, Jesus said this to the devil in Matthew 4.10, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So I could go on and on. If you do your own search and your own study on it, worship is reserved for God alone. Okay. Yet here we read that God is telling his angels... To worship Jesus now that would be either high treason in heaven or Jesus is God. Now let me show you, not just verse six, I can't resist this. you get to look ahead in the book of Revelation chapter five verse 11, Follow with me what's happening in heaven right before God the Father. Revelation 5:11. John's having his revelation and he says, "And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was ten thousands times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. I meant he couldn't count that high. Saying with a loud voice, these are all the angels of heaven saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and it says and strength and honor and glory and blessing. and they're worshipping Jesus, the Lamb of God. And verse 13 says, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as that are in the sea and all that are in them I heard saying. So that means everything in creation. This is coming yet in the future. You better get used to worshiping Jesus because we better join in with all of creation saying, all the creation is saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Now, God already says, I will share my glory with no one. You will not worship any other God, just me. The only way this can be is that Jesus is God. God the Father, God the Son. I know it's confusing because um, the only people we know like that are split personality, and it's not good, right? But God is triune. And a matter of fact, I can't remember where, but we, I have it on the web. If you ever want to do an in-depth study on the Trinity, I did a series on Sunday morning about the Trinity, and because I want people to understand that. But here is all of creation saying, "Blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb." They're worshiping the Father and the Son equally together in heaven, and it's not a bad thing; <coughs> it's a good thing. They're not rebuked for this. And then it goes on to say, the four living creatures who are closest to God around on the throne. Say, amen. And the 24 elders, the next ring around the throne, fell down and worshiped him who lives forever and ever. And so this is how you worship and bring glory to God. Scripturally, according to the Bible, is you worship the Father, and the son to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb it's not bad it's not wrong to worship jesus it's a good thing because jesus and excuse me the writer of hebrews in verse 6 of our study today says let all the angels of god worship him so he's greater than the angels because he tells the angels to worship him and he's certainly something greater than a lot of people think because he's a, a subject of worship so jesus is greater in name Jesus is greater in worship. Let's go to the third point. Jesus is greater in nature. This is a fill-in if you're paying attention here. Or you could say in makeup. What is he made of? Look at verse 7. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But to the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. This is God the Father speaking to God the Son, saying, Your throne, O God. This is pretty amazing. Here, the Son is called God. This is the one who rules with a rod of righteousness. As a matter of fact, this is quoting Psalm 45, verse 6 and 7, if you want to look it up in the Old Testament. And um so here's, a, by the way, this is another name. Talk, we talked about he's greater in name. There's another name greater than the angels. God, <laughs> okay? So he's given the name God. Uh, keep in mind what the one true God has spoken uh, many times in the Old Testament. And let me quote another one from Isaiah 44, 8. Do not fear, nor be afraid. Have I not told you from the time and I declared it that you are my witnesses? And there, is there a God besides me? There is no other rock, I know not one. Interesting, isn't Jesus called the rock of our salvation? And God the Father says, there's no other rock but me. There's no other God but me. And yet in heaven, we see both the Father and the Son being worshipped together. And the Father isn't jealous of that one. It's proper. Uh, I I got stories on that. I'm going to hold back. Okay, listen. Here's another one. Isaiah 45, verse 5 says, I am the Lord, and there is no other is there? there is no God beside me. No one else you should worship. No other God but one. And yet if you study the scriptures carefully, you see that there is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you do an end up study, you see they are all given the attributes and the title of God. Yet there's only one God. Scratch your head on that, but do a study. I've got a series. Go online and find it on our webpage. <clears throat> okay. Jesus... Uh, or I should say the Father, God the Father calls Jesus God very clearly here. Now in verse 9, he says, You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, oh, we're going to have fun with this, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Jesus, he's the resurrection
0: hope you enjoyed today's program. You can find all of Pastor Mike's messages and any other information you would like about Calvary Chapel Eagle online at cceagle.org. In iTunes, you can subscribe to the podcast Calvary Chapel Eagle Sunday Morning. If you are new to the area and don't already have a home church, we would love for you to come check us out. We meet every Sunday, 10 a.m. at North Star Charter School, 839 North Linder Road in Eagle. That is one block north of highway 44 you can call or text the church phone at 208-891-2635 once again you can get any information you need at cceagle.org there you will also find a link to join our facebook page so until next time remember it's all about jesus yeah, the power of his name